back to Lightshed Research, a podcast that puts our research notes in your ears for your convenience. October 8th, 2020. It's time for Stanky to call Ergen. Despite all the noise, we still believe a combination of the satellite pay TV business of AT&T and DISH is inevitable. If anything, the noise by the press is an indication that it might be drawing near. While AT&T may elect to take a multi-step approach that involves private equity, we believe the end game for DirecTV is DISH. This would provide a material deleveraging event for both companies and present a new challenge for broadcast cable network programmers. What price did you expect? The New York Post reports that bids for DirecTV are just three and a half times EBITDA. Given the increasingly nasty outlook for pay TV and the lack of immediate synergies available to a non-strategic buyer, this is not surprising. If we assume capital intensity of 6% and that the new company will use three times leverage at a 5% cost of capital, a three and a half times EBITDA multiple implies a free cash flow multiple of six times. That's before taxes which when included would add two more turns to this acquisition multiple. The resulting low teens free cash flow yield seems like an appropriate price at the leverage ratio for this rapidly declining business. AT&T is unlikely to get higher bids, so it's time for new AT&T CEO John Stanky to bite the bullet and call Charlie. Just merged DirecTV with Dish already. As everyone knows, AT&T can achieve a more attractive outcome by combining with Dish because of the material operational CapEx, and tax synergies. The longer the companies wait to combine, the more those synergy opportunities evaporate. Delays threaten the ability of the combined company to achieve an industry-leading subscriber base, which would aid in content negotiations. The longer it takes to close the transaction might enable Comcast to maintain its leading market share and most favored pricing status. Comcast subscriber losses significantly underpace their satellite counterparts, as shown in the chart below primarily because of the ability to discount a broadband bundle. Delays also create incremental challenges in the ability for the combined company to lever up the balance sheet. Synergies and leverage targets for MergeCo. We assume the combined company can realize $1.5 billion of annual synergies, and perhaps even more if DISH continues its strategy of simply dropping programming that does not yield appropriate value to subscribers. We do not believe the combined company could exceed three and a half times leverage if it wants to maintain reasonable capital costs of less than 6%. The combined company could maintain that leverage ratio despite the expected decline in EBITDA by using a portion of the synergy boosted free cash flow to pay down debt. $20 billion opportunity for AT&T to reduce debt. Based on our synergy and target leverage assumptions, we believe DirecTV and DISH could include four and a half times leverage when combining their pay TV assets. That means AT&T could dump over $21 billion of debt into this entity, reducing its parent debt by 15% and taking its debt leverage to 2.4 times from 2.6 times. For DISH, four and a half times equates to $11.3 billion of debt, which effectively represents the company's entire debt load. As the controlling party, results of the merged company would likely be consolidated at DISH, but its investors are more focused on the company's ability to fund its 5G build-out than the leverage at a pay TV subsidiary that it would control. Dividend Coverage The transaction would reduce AT&T's free cash flow by $2 billion in the unlikely event that the combined entity used all of its free cash flow to reduce debt. We estimate this would tighten dividend coverage by 600 basis points, 
but not enough to trigger the consideration of a dividend cut, given the importance of this capital return policy to AT&T management. AT&T would own two-thirds of the combined company. Assuming DISH CEO Charlie Ergen is not successful in negotiating for more than DISH's pro-rata share of the synergies, we estimate the economic split of the combined entity would be two-thirds for AT&T and one-third for DISH. There are also many opportunities between the two companies for DISH to increase its relative stake in the new company by involving EchoStar or through the transfer of certain low-band spectrum assets to AT&T. Can AT&T deconsolidate the debt? We believe that AT&T will be able to deconsolidate the debt of the combined entity if it is not the controlling party, even if it owns more than a 50% economic stake. As an example, SBC did not consolidate Singular when it owned a 60% economic stake. We also dug up a Sprint filing discussing their use of equity method accounting for Clearwire rather than consolidating results for the 54% owned entity and a 2011 note that discussed how Sprint reduced their voting but not economic stake in Clearwire below 50% to address default concerns at Sprint arising from Clearwire being considered a subsidiary. Here's a quote from Sprint's 2008 10K. While the Sprint WiMAX business is considered the accounting acquirer, we do not control key management decisions, and therefore our interest in Clearwire is accounted for as an equity method investment. It's also notable that in David Faber's report yesterday, he made reference to AT&T, quote, transferring governance to a private equity buyer of 25 to 30% stake in order to, quote, take it off the books. Perhaps the sale of a 30% stake to a private equity could play a role in lowering AT&T's economic stake in the combined entity to less than 50% if that was in fact required. To be clear, that private equity investment would not have to occur prior to a dish transaction. In any event, we will continue to question our assumptions. We are also attempting to determine whether DISH can utilize the tax losses from its wireless business if it is the ultimate controlling entity. The role of private equity. We find it odd that AT&T does not want to negotiate with Charlie Ergen, as David Faber reports. Ergen was able to come to terms with multiple parties that enabled the merger of Sprint and T-Mobile. How hard could this be? Is it really worth foregoing even a portion of the synergy benefits to a private equity player because you fear or loathe a negotiation with Ergen? Plenty of incentives for Dish. Ergen himself has called this deal inevitable and for years has outlined the challenges that Dish faces in the pay TV market. The rising cost of content and the proliferation of OTT services make it challenging for Dish to remain more than a niche competitor in the pay TV market. Dish has already been scaling back its content offering in an attempt to sustain free cash flow, and to their credit, they have been able to maintain 20% margins. Meanwhile, the content owners themselves are increasingly expanding their own direct-to-consumer distribution, enabling Dish customers to source the same content elsewhere. We believe regulators are not blind to these market realities. The regulatory risk is overstated. We believe a combination of DirecTV and DISH would be approved by regulators based on the facts, as well as our multi-year discussions with regulatory participants. Politics can always play a role in regulatory approvals, but in the era of streaming wars, a challenge over DISH DirecTV deal would lack relevance. There is likely plenty of documentation about the abusive rate increases by programmers that have squeezed the margins of MVPDs and resulted in price increases to consumers a larger dish could help level the playing field for consumers. 
Broadband and LTE have fundamentally changed the delivery of content. New 5G build-out commitments, LEO satellite launches, and CBRS Spectrum are all expected to extend broadband and, as a result, video content to more Americans. DISH's ability to realize synergies from this transaction will also improve its financial ability to build out a competitive wireless broadband network. In the limited number of markets where DISH and DirecTV are the only pay TV options, consumers are protected by a national pricing scheme and service delivery from a satellite, limiting any specific negative impact in these markets. DISH's service might actually improve from the expected reduction in content costs. And by improve, we mean actually receiving those channels. The CNN factor. We recognize that President Trump's vocal disdain for CNN generates a regulatory concern for investors and AT&T executives. They would point to the regulatory process for the Time Warner acquisition as a reason to not pursue additional transactions that face regulatory scrutiny. That deal closed, and DirecTV's erosion is accelerating. Randall Stevenson quote from March 20th, 2019. The, the deal hadn't even been formally announced yet, and candidate Trump came out and said, AT&T is acquiring Time Warner and thus CNN, and that's a transaction this administration will never approve. And whether you are a supporter or detractor of Donald Trump, one thing everybody in this room must admit is when this man makes a statement on the campaign trail, he pursues it. And, uh, and so we were concerned when that statement came out. Now, right on the heels of that statement, uh, a gentleman named Macon Delrahim, who is a professor at Pepperdine University, was asked by a reporter, what do you think of this transaction? And this law professor at Pepperdine said, I don't see any issues with it. I'm paraphrasing, but he essentially said, I don't see any issues with that. About a year later, that law professor has been confirmed as a head of the antitrust division of the Department of Justice. And uh, shortly thereafter, a lawsuit is filed against a vertical merger the first time since the 1970s that a lawsuit had been pursued against a vertical merger like this. And, uh, and so, I have look, I've said publicly that it, it's an elephant in the room. One has the question, you know, is there political motivation behind this? I, I have no proof that there was, but, you know, if uh, one of two things, either there's a radical coincidence or... There are other motivations. I don't know. We took it to court. We fought it on purely antitrust grounds. We did not fight it on political grounds. It was Ironically, a structural remedy for the DOJ in the Time Warner transaction that was not embraced by AT&T was the sale of DirecTV. If they had pursued it at the time, AT&T would have likely achieved a higher economic stake of a combined DirecTV dish and would be benefiting from even larger synergies. We do not believe that the DOJ under the current administration would have challenged a direct TV dish merger at the time, nor do we believe they would do so in 2021 if the president is reelected. We believe the current DOJ recognizes the market dynamics that we described above. We similarly do not believe that a sale of a portion of direct TV to a private equity firm does much to smooth the CNN concerns. Would a 30% controlling stake of a private equity player adequately mask the 70% economic owner that the president has pilloried with such vigor? What about Biden? A change in the presidency does present uncertainty based on the changes that occur in the leadership of the agencies that would review the deal. The uncertainty of Biden's appointments may in fact be lower than the uncertainty created by the president's disdain for AT&T-owned CNN. 
A DirecTV dish combination has been a topic of our discussions in D.C. dating back to the Obama-Biden administration. We do not believe a Biden administration elevates the risk of the combination being approved. Implications for programmers are not good. A combined DirecTV dish would have 19 million subscribers by mid-2021, the earliest transaction could close, roughly the same size as Comcast. We believe dish management would run the combined entity, thereby amplifying already contentious negotiations with programmers to even higher levels of pain. Dish, unlike its meeker peers, has been dropping overpriced, lightly viewed content to protect its subscribers from abusive rate increases. That's probably why their margins are barely lower than a much larger DirecTV and possibly much higher than video margins at cable operators, according to what many analysts infer when pitching the high value of cable broadband. An even larger dish will likely lead to lesser retrans affiliate fee increases for programmers and or permanent drops. Hashtag good luck RSNs. Reason for sale. How bad is DirecTV? Over the past two years, DirecTV's subscriber base shrunk by 30%, and over the next two years, we expect it to contract another 40% to just 8 million subscribers. That's well below its peak subscriber base of 21 million in Q4 2016, just six quarters after being acquired by AT&T. Price increases have reduced the impact to DirecTV's subscriber revenue, particularly in 2019 when it declined just 5%. However, we expect the decline in revenue to ramp into the low teens going forward, even before the likely non-renewal of the NFL's Sunday ticket package. AT&T does not break out margins for DirecTV, but we suspect it has contracted a few hundred basis points over the past four years to the low 20s. That's not much higher than Dish's 20% margins, despite DirecTV having 60% more subscribers. The expiration of Sunday Ticket would clearly improve the margin performance, but there would also be a notable decrease in revenue. We included a quote from a note that we wrote back when the deal was announced. Quote, we continue to believe that AT&T bought DirecTV primarily to help fund dividend growth. What about LATAM? The media will gleefully compare the paltry sale price to AT&T's $50 billion purchase price of DirecTV back in 2015, but fail to note that the purchase price also included the LATAM business. While that apples-to-orange comparison could make for some good dunks on Twitter, unfortunately, its LATAM business has not been a good story either. Six months after the close of the DirecTV acquisition, Telefonica expressed interest in acquiring Vrio for $10 billion, or an implied multiple of eight to nine times. Then in March of 2018, Vrio filed to go public at a $5.8 to $6.5 billion valuation, or an implied multiple of less than five times, then pulled the offering based on lack of interest. Plunging currencies and deteriorating performance has subsequently eroded EBITDA. AT&T took a $2.2 billion write-down on Vrio and closed its Venezuela operations in Q2. At 3.5 times our 2020 EBITDA estimate, Vrio would be valued at $1.4 billion. This multiple is one term below the valuation Telefonica Brazil and Tim Participações. In Brazil, its largest market, Operators are in the process of consolidating the wireless market and have expressed no interest in a satellite-based pay TV business. Thanks for taking perhaps less time to listen to our note on the podcast. The only thing you really missed is a good
good picture of CNN's Jim Acosta. Have a great day.